Support the Bartholomew Town Podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode, I sit down with First Works' Kathleen Pletcher. Kathleen Pletcher is the Executive Artistic Director of FirstWorks, a Providence-based arts performance and educational nonprofit, which she founded in 2004 on the heels of her work overseeing the highly successful First Night Providence. FirstWorks has produced dozens of events in Rhode Island across a wide spectrum of multimedia art and are partners in the ever-expanding PVD Fest, now entering its fifth year. Our conversation touched on Kathleen's journey as an artist, including her time in New York as an experimental puppeteer, the immeasurable aspects of the impact that live art brings to a community, and how the intersection of art, media, and design can be the rising tide that lifts Rhode Island's future. Enjoy new episodes of the Bartholomew Town podcast every Tuesday and Friday. Listen on your favorite app. Visit BartholomewTown.com or RIPodcast.com. It's where you'll find the dozens of conversations I've had with Rhode Island influencers like Pawtucket Mayor Don Grebian, Congressman Jim Langevin, policy whiz Rebecca Weber, communications strategist Mike Rea, Brown University's Wendy Schiller, Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza. It's all right there for you at BartholomewTown.com. And if you're listening to this on release day, I'll be on television tonight as a panelist on A Lively Experiment, 7 o'clock on Rhode Island PBS, available digitally shortly thereafter. I'll post the link on my Twitter handle, at Bill Bartholomew. All right, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with the Executive Artistic Director of FirstWorks, Kathleen Pletcher. Let's talk about, um, you know, kind of a summary of your, your story as a, an experimental puppeteer in New York. That's... That's a pretty cool place to start. Okay, shall we start? <laughs> and let's start right there, and then and then how that sort of brought you to Rhode Island and uh, and and first works. Yeah, so I have a oh, you could call it Richard Checkered, you could call it Checkered, but but arts background <laughs> because I I actually started as a classical pianist and oh, conservatory wow. trained, and but but um, I I wasn't an improviser and I wasn't a composer and. I had such a, a drive need to be doing stuff that that had more social impact, and so puppetry and developmental theater um, really became the the outlet, the avenue for that. And uh, across my my professional life, I founded two experimental puppet theaters. One started; it was called the Underground Railway, and it actually still exists in uh, Central Square in Cambridge. Um, Underground Railway Puppet Theater. Um, that was in Oberlin, Ohio, so a stop on the Underground Railway. And then when I moved to New York, I founded another one that was called Ragabash Studio. And really the convergence of musicians and, and visual artists and theater people and the the inanimate object, the puppet, and, and how it could be animated and be so so powerful. So um, I was doing that for, for quite a few years. We had a, a studio in Soho when there were still hardware stores and, you know, a certain amount of grunge, which got crowded out a fair amount and uh, touring quite a bit 
touring all over the country. Um, spent a year in, living in Rome and also doing puppetry. And when my husband and I came back, it was uh, we were going to go back to New York, but a family was starting to. Uh, we were starting to have a family, and and we're also in Providence and and homesteaders in the Armory District. And so we moved to Rhode Island full time, all in, and uh, that has been great because I, I think wherever else I've been, there is just no place like Rhode Island. It um, certainly is unique. <laughs> it certainly is unique. And it, it, it yeah. was so cool to think that when I first set foot in Rhode Island, um, the trees around the Armory District were about my height, which is not substantial. <laughs> and, you know, now they're touring the Cranston Street Armory and uh, towering. And... Um, you know, it's so wonderful to see everything that has developed. I mean, stuff still that still needs to happen. But mm -hmm. um, my husband, Jay, was at, at RISD and started as a sculptor and ended up as, as provost there for a number of years. And uh, this was really home. We commuted a lot to New York. But, but coming here and, and really being someone who's in performance, um, my personal story was... was uh, that I was artistic director at First Night Providence and so really had this festival kind of um, festival, city, community, arts all all coming together and it yeah. sort of brought all my, all my uh, disparate parts of performance into one place. Yeah. No, I could see that. You know, I remember First Night as a, you know, growing up in South County, that was a big thing to get dropped off. And be able to roam around. You know, I remember going to like the Safari Lounge and the Met for crazy shows. Yeah, yeah, but the yeah. graphic design, you know, the look of the moon, the commercials, everything about that night, it did have a feel to it that was very packaged and very specific. I don't know if that's kind of part of what you mean. Everything sort of converged and it just felt naturally together. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think um, there was a lot of kind of crossing between things, you know, right. whether it's puppetry or music or or wonderful performances in street in windows, you know, sh uh, storefront windows, and just really way before the term creative placemaking, which is something that that first works and I have worked with quite a bit. Um, first night was was pushing at those boundaries and 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 looking at what that could mean and kind of refining it at one point there were well over a hundred first nights across the country and um boy did things change the times changed and um here in providence we had a couple blizzards on new year's eve that was intense i had an aerial dance company performing three shows at PPAC, and they made it in you know just biting my nails but their apparatus did not. So, you know, that was a very improvisatory moment. Yep. Um, but, and then 9-11 happened. And so for first nights all across the country, and including, you know, the mothership in Boston, um, shut down. And so part of First Work's founding story that I'm, I'm really proud of and and uh have been told by people on the national level you know you got to own your founding story but i had done a strategic plan for first night providence to take it year round and all this other stuff happened and it, it kind of went into hiatus and in in uh, 2003 2004 um when david cicilline was elected mayor and was was forming a department of art culture and tourism they came to me and said what is that plan and let's partner. 
And so we were the first, FirstWorks was the first partnership of art, culture, and tourism in 2004. And we we took that festival concept and played it forward with a, a fall festival. There was an artist-driven New Year's Eve um, happening called Bright Night that went on for many years and, and was very locally focused. And we were always this cross-fertilization, you know, uh, of guest artists and artists from uh, across the world and and spectacles and so first night was was born from a uh, first works was born from first night from from that and i'd like to say festivals are in our dna so so now as the founding partner and co-producer of pvd fest you know it's like right that that there's a continuity in the disruption you know yeah. i mean that it, it's it's it is that idea played into a really different time with with really different um, social and urban needs from where First Night started. But First Works, we we really look at for the festival and and for the season um, arts that lift Rhode Island and. It's it's never just the performance. It's always the the whole gestalt of conversations and collaborations and partnerships and the spirit in the streets or in the theater. Um, all that's important. The unintended and intended consequences, I guess, of a major performance, right? The ripple effect of it. You can't really predict how it's going to affect people, but you can certainly anticipate that there's going to be a conversation around something or even if people don't realize that they're going to be somewhat moved if it's if if you're confronted with art on a regular basis whether it's street art or you know going to first night or pvd fest whatever it is at some point that's going to affect you you know unless you're totally not human you know as an audience as yeah. an audience and, right and i think people um with live performance there there's living art we call it um Coming together, sharing the experience, the memories, but but when you have an appetite to have that kind of experience, the idea of the idea of the ideas behind it are 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 also like, oh wow, what is this about? Um, at First Works, uh, we have artist up close conversations, and if they happen after the show, we're amazed how many people stay. You know, hundreds of people stay, and and. I have totally erased, redacted the words Q&A from my vocabulary, hopefully from our vocabulary, because a conversation is so much deeper than that. And, and often the people who are, have, have seen the performance have as much to offer, you know, as, as the artist, and it becomes a dialogue. No question. Yeah, I've tried to eliminate the, the term interview, at least in the context of a podcast. It's been referred to as a conversation. I almost It's almost comical probably for people to listen to the episodes or listen to the show, the word conversation, because I say it like a thousand times uh-huh, probably. Uh-huh. But it's true. It's back and forth. And as an artist, as a performing artist, the relationship with the audience, whether it's on a one-on-one basis or on just the broad basis, you know, it's not just the feedback of, oh, yeah, I like that song, but how do people feel? What are they moved by? That, sh- that's a, that, that position as there, there's no hierarchy when it comes to understanding art. There's no specialists. You know, someone who has no training or experience whatsoever is still going to be impacted. It's their experience. It's their experience. That, that's the thing, too, that uh, really inspires us at First Works is that, that everybody has their own experience. 
you know, and this is true in the theater. This is true at PBD Fest. Um, I'm always fascinated uh, by things like we brought, First Works brought um, the first full performance by Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater to, to Providence as part of a much larger, like, four-month kind of series of workshops and culminating in a performance at PPAC. Um so I, I had seen Ailey a bunch of times. I'd seen them six months before in New York, and, and it was a good performance. But here, it was electric, here in Providence and um, on the first work stage. And so I think, well, why was it electric? And I think there are a couple things. The performance itself was excellent, but people were so so energized they were getting up and and dancing in the aisles you know men who'd come from corporate jobs so they're in suits but they are getting down in the aisles and then also for the performers they had worked with kids in our arts learning program and they had had conversations and shared meals and they knew who they were performing for and I think that made makes all the difference, you know, that, that it is a very real moment. Um, and, and that's tremendously exciting. There's something to be said about that as well, kind of comparing it to the regularity. If you're a New York performer or a touring performer, when you play New York, when you play a, a Boston, you know, eventually the, that becomes, you probably become somewhat numb to that. I would say, you know, as compared with going into a town where you are the biggest thing in town irrefutably, and you have all the attention, at least most of the attention of, of the arts world, you know, you're, you're playing to a, a higher level of energy almost at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's a tension, but I think it also is what we were saying about um, the conversation. I think when you were performing and, and you know that, you know, 200 of the kids who you've been working with in workshops are up there, you know, in the, in the balcony, it, it feels different when you're so received and, and you feel that appetite. And it's just, um, I, th- I think it's so special. I would say most artists who perform, and of course you're a, a musician and, and would have a feeling about this as well, but you know, it's it's very rarely phone it in. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. it's always being in the moment. But but first works really looks through our model of community engagement and live performance at the epicenter of that to make that moment extraordinary. To make that moment kind of electric and and real and human. Um, and so I, you know, I love talking about this stuff. It's kind of there are a lot of things to running a nonprofit and, and doing all the different performances and festivals and workshops. But when we talk about this, for me, it's the essence is that 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 live performance moment where you can't can't get it anywhere else. And that's using the for lack of a better term, like the business side of art to create, to be a curator and to create that moment. You know, your role in that capacity of bridging uh, the, those kids and those performers at that those high high level performers and those super intrigued kids and making that connection, you're now a part of the art. It's not just a 
oh yeah, we book bands or we book uh, you know dance companies to come through. You're creating something in your own right there. At least that's my impression. Well, and we could have a conversation about the words that we don't like to use. So I don't like to use the word presenter mm-hmm. um, because it sounds so transactional. And, and coming from being a creative artist, you know, this is, for me, this is is, is the canvas, you know. And, and um, having so many different partners who contribute to, to that idea that the arts can lift Rhode Island is... Uh, pretty thrilling. Let's go with that for a second if we could and then we'll get to some specific stuff. The arts lifting Rhode Island. There's look, Rhode Island right now it's in a transitional point where we've got to start thinking about the future, industries, whatever those will be, how do we build that workforce? How do we make sure that people can afford to live here in the city if they want to, in the city of Providence if they want to, whatever, all these major questions. We kind of have to redesign this the the state in a lot of ways. Um Arts, sometimes I feel like it gets generically thrown into the mix in the sense of, number one, well, we just need to have people be able to think more creatively so they can go into STEM work and then they'll be they'll have problem-solving skills. And then number two for just this entertainment value that it brings. But what about that intangible, you know, just the, the energy that, that arts brings to an area? What What – how do we quantify that and how can we convince people how important this is to the health and of this state and the future of this state? Yeah. How can we convince people? Well, I think, you know, you've hit on something that, that we look for tangible metrics, right? And, and as if those told the whole story and they don't, but one thing about PVD Fest that we're were really pleased to say is, you know, over a hundred thousand people came last year, you know, so, and, and then we can multiply that using certain calculators into the economic impact and the jobs created. And, um, all that is important data points, but I, I like to think back to, I think it was 2012, um, the precursor to PVD Fest, which was the first works festival on the plaza, when we had uh, the dan- the aerial dance group Bandaloop, who repelled down one financial plaza, and it was just stunning, um, a stunning way to see the city differently. And um, one reporter wrote that, uh, wrote about some of the problems in the city and then said, you know, we've moved rivers and just just this weekend at the First Works Festival, dancers danced on the side of a building and made us see we can do anything. And you know what? What is the the measure for that? But I, I, I'm not sure. But but you do see that sort of sense of inspiration. You know that no athlete is going to win a race feeling like they're you know, I don't know what feeling sort of a sense of shame and failure and all that. That it is that sense of the possible that kind of breaks things open. And, and uh, just last week, First Works had Black Violin um, perform as part of our Artistic Icon series. And they not only performed, they worked with string players from across the state. And uh, part of the the name of their tour was the, the Impossible Tour. And I, I love that thought that art, music, performance helps us see what's possible. Um, not to discount that 
problem solving skills, the ability to collaborate. All those are, are, you know, kind of hard facts about participating in the arts. But do they become a driving force? I know. Yeah, it's so intangible. And and it's a matter of, uh, you know, you just, there's no specific way to communicate it. It's just one of those things that you just have to feel it, I think. But once you do, and, and, and once you're able to understand the impact that it has, one way to do that is to look at places that have no art, you know, that have no music venue, that, no even restaurants that have live music, that don't have a theater, that don't have any public art, and look at the, you know, either the boring nature of those places or the dilapidation and, and discouragement. And I won't name cities, but there are cities in the Northeast that you can kind of trace that back to. Um, you know, even in Newport, if I'll name a city, in Newport, a city I lived in, beautiful, beautiful arts community now being completely destroyed by Airbnb, this obsession with turning the place into a tech hub or something like that. And and that balance, when it's lost, the the danger is that now most people in their 20s and 30s are leaving Newport. They're moving to Providence or New York or wherever um, in mass. Right. So we see the people moving in that influx, you know, glad your story is part of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see that influx and, and with first works arts learning, we see kids. So we're in our 15th year and, and we see students we've worked with who are now the first in their family to go to college and, um, who can say along the way that with first works, they, they performed with jazz at Lincoln center because we, we, build these hybrids, these crossover things with students performing and like with black violin. So, or, um, one of our students who said, you know, the thing I'm learning in first works arts learning is not how to be a dancer or a musician. I I'm, I'm learning that I can be anything I want. I can be a teacher. I can be a judge. I can be a doctor. I, I have a voice and the more people who, who are, you know, kind of awoke, you know, um, I I think that's going to give us all a better chance at making some of the changes you're talking about. Absolutely. It's a part of the package that it's just as important as talking about K through 12 or pre-K and, and, and retraining and everything. To me, it's got to be in the conversation. Otherwise we're doomed. What a boring, lifeless, soulless place this would become if we, if we extracted art and um, and made cuts to that as far as the importance of it for the everyday person. So. Yeah, I think instead of it, extracting, embedding is yeah, you know exactly. the, the way to go. And and um, we're really uh, pleased to have businesses who who want to partner. I mean, FirstWorks is it has kind of been propelled for fifteen years um, on partnerships and and a lot of partnerships, the things we learn from partners and and the way together we can do a lot more than we could do on our own. Um, mm. I think of in in two thousand and nine, which was a really tipping point year now a long time ago for us, but um, we collaborated with Yo-Yo Ma and um, we were pretty small. The, the whole project was like, you know, half the size of our organization's budget. Um, yep. But uh, Yo-Yo as an artist is really generous and um, we had a lot of fundraising to do. But then once that happened and that was in place, we were doing things with the Silk Road Project really across the state and able to um, 
do performances for students as well as a big um, sold-out performance at Providence Performing Arts Center that launched their North American tour. So I think when it fires on a bunch of different levels, you know, that it, that there, there needs to be a business level and there needs to be a, a community level and there need to be different ways that that live arts have kind of uh, have that ripple effect. You yeah. use that phrase, yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I totally agree. Um, all right, let's pivot to some specific stuff going on here. Obviously, we got PVD Fest. Going to be talking about that kind of a lot for the next few months, probably. Oh, until- yes. <laughs> and we're, we're almost in countdown mode. We yeah. we have a little something first because we're celebrating our uh, our 15th anniversary. Yeah, let's talk about the 15th anniversary here coming up in yeah, short time. Yeah, it'll be it'll actually be the whole year, but but we're we've started this month already with black violin, hip hop and classical music colliding. But uh, on the 17th of April, which is either before or after depending on when you're listening yeah. to this, um we have a Complexions Contemporary Ballet and we're doing a, a tribute to David Bowie. Um this is a piece of their Stardust that is just sensational and um Complexions is America first fully multicultural ballet company and we've been working with them they've been in schools they've been here conversations with the the two artistic directors who come out of being principals from Alvin Ailey and American Ballet Theater but really getting to the kernel of this idea that that amazes me, which is that contemporary ballet, ballet with all its rigor and virtuosity and all that has a way of speaking to the moment of time we're in that, that even goes beyond modern dance to do that. And so Dwight and Desmond, the artistic directors are really articulate about that and, and, and what they're doing and, and kind of crossing, crossing what, feels like a traditional art form into popular culture, into opening up ideas and conversation about race. And, um, you know, it's, it's a lot that springs from the performance, but anyway, that, that, um, felt like a, a wonderful, splendid way to mark 15 years because, um, you know, nothing's a given. And when we started with a $15,000 grant in 2004, you know, our um, future was a, an idea, a strategy, and and a lot of very exciting um, artists who contributed and, and performances. So we go from there and celebrate 15 and, and yay. And uh, that is, uh, then we'll be fully wound up and we can just burst forward into PVD. Yeah, June 6th will will come quickly. Yeah, it really is inhabiting all four days. Yeah. And that's uh, really exciting. Um, certainly PVD Fest ideas and, and Thursday as a, a kickoff, but then Friday is going to be an incredible evening of spectacle and music. Grupo Nietzsche, which is is just uh, the salsa experience. And, yeah, they're from and, Colombia, right? They're- yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they go from us to um, the to into New York to the Barclay Center, and um, you know, just like 
I don't know, what's that, 20,000 seats. So, I mean, that's amazing to think. <laughs> and and um, last year we had the breaking the world record in bachata. And so it feels great to just see the way we evolve and change it up. So it's, it's different every year. We're... Um, FirstWorks is is in charge of the spectacles and and yeah. so the ways you look up and and that is is something that lots of things are are cooking on the stove and then something comes to the fore and and this year it's Eventi Verticali from Italy and so a whole kind of celebrate Italy kind of strand to the festival but they are artists who dreamed of dancing on a flying wall. And so their piece is quadro, and it will be up in the air, hoisted by a crane, and this wall that the dancers are aloft and suspended dancing on. So Cranes in the sky. Cranes in the meeting. sky, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, a growing city. Something I loved about when, when I was speaking with the mayor about the festival, that, you know, his description of it, I'm going to be out there, you know, on bike or on foot or whatever, and there's no plan. You know, we're just going to go with it. And that's how everyone should approach this. No one should be stressed out about, oh, man, I got to get to this event. It's not like Newport Folk Festival where you got to really plan. Oh, yeah, your t- my you app know. on my phone every totally. moment. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it should be just as low-key and um, exciting wherever you go. And I think the programming at the top speaks to that. The whole festival feels robust, and that allows you to have – no plan, you know. Well, and Number to one. be to be spontaneous. Yeah. I, I feel like whenever I have a weekend that I, I love my weekends with events and all that, but but that doesn't have that, I'm like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and you know, I I think that that is the thing about festivals, and and the idea of a festival has been National Endowment for the Arts has done a whole publication about what festivals do that that other kinds of, of of formats or performances don't. That spontaneity, the fact that audience encounters with each other is really amazing, that you can get to know people, that there are, that it's your experience and you own it. And so that's the way place that live performance takes back the self-curation you can do with your playlist and says, well, you can do it right now. You can self-curate right now. It's your day. There's food, there's people there's you know a surprise at every corner and there are some some things you really don't want to miss but hopefully we give you enough chances that that there's no stress another um another group we're really excited about is syncopated ladies which is an all-female tap squad um that is from la um they have a real um kind of fierce female force to them and uh, because of they've collaborated with Beyonce they have 50 million viral views so that's that's like getting there (laughs) and they will be on both Saturday and Sunday so so we have some anchor things um and and certainly the the curators and producers and artists who are all working to create whether it's a a performance or actually a whole stage um fill a whole stage is uh you know, stuff to dive into. I, I think for us, dance at the festival too feels, um, I mean, people are dancing in the streets, but to put tap on the stage, to put percussive dance on the stage mm. feels, feels really sweet, especially turning 15 because we, we started our very first first works performance, um, was 
Palabolus at the Veterans Memorial Auditorium before it was renovated. And, you know, we had no idea how many people would come. And there were people lined up across the street to get into this. And at that point in 2004, we were told it was the largest audience that had come together for contemporary dance in the state. And I'll even take back what I said earlier about Newport. There's one example of an exception that Island Moving Company, of course, they have done a great job on the fundraising side. Let's not be, you know, you can't discount that. Um, which is why they're able to be there, but that's great. They should, you know, they're they're doing great work, and that's probably an example of the type of, you know, arts organization Newport should be. Found, you know, there should be more of those for other mediums, right? But I agree, there has been a dance resurgence, and yeah, yeah it's hard we're to pull. so committed to that. Dance is it can be tough in a way. A lot of the dance, what what we are um, doing with complexions, I mean, it is production intensive. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's it, there is a lot to fundraise for and to all that, and the number of bodies and the technical needs. But yeah. but we've been really at First Works committed to to dance and and the the job. Free Ballet, which we brought for the first time to Rhode Island, Alvin Ailey, American Dance yep. Theater, Savion Glover, Tap. I, I love percussive dance. Yeah, percussive dance is nuts. I mean, even going back to, I'm thinking of some of the shows, that some of the dance performances I'd see, like the church at St. Mark's, you know, in the basement oh, there. Oh, yes, That kind of right. nutty stuff. Yeah, and that's a vibrant. Vibrant. And the first couple of times I went in there. Bed. Totally. And yeah. you're thinking, you know. Where am I? You know, you have to, as an audience member with dance, I feel like at least for me, you know, it takes extra patience to really feel the athleticism and feel the art at an, at a, in a way that, you know, especially being confined in a, you know, basement room like at St. Mark's, but when you're at PVD Fest or an environment like that, you're going to, you have a little bit more, the, the, the performer has a little bit more rope to play with, I feel like, to get people intrigued. And then once the, the audience member knows what's going on. They really get it. I mean, you're hooked on dance. You know, yeah. You well, it's be. very visceral. It's very you know, visceral. Yeah. Very visceral, and especially tap. Yeah. You know, that's that's something we're going to be doing more of. But but I I think it, it has grabbed me, and that's another one of those words that in the very beginning we didn't call it dance. You know, and because, or especially modern dance, and I'm glad to see that 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 the associations have become over the past 15 years, you know, much more uplifting. And, you know, I mean, I think we can probably thank some television input to that. No question. Yeah. (laughs) And and that's interesting. The trickle down from, from mainstream, mainstream stuff as well. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, music benefits from that too. When all of a sudden there's a a grunge band that becomes a, a huge international band. A lot of kids start writing songs differently after that. There's nothing wrong with that process. Um, I guess last last question. Um, uh, well, number one, what's the best resource for people to find out what First Works is up to as far as online? What would that? Well, be? certainly our website, yep. which is a little tricky because it's first dashworks.org. Fun. So it's not all <laughs> one word. There's a hyphen in between. 
the two words spelled out. And, yeah. you know, we we have some in-depth features on PVD Fest. There is also PVDFest.com. So that's the, the festival in, in its all its glory. Um, but for First Works, we'll be announcing a number of projects from our season, some of which kind of stem from PVD Fest and play forward um, that people can get involved in. And um, certainly uh, if there are students or schools who want to get involved involved in our arts learning you know they're kind of three things we we do and we run performances through the season um and uh also this this year started doing more with films um and then we do arts learning workshops for students and starting to explore also for older adults some special nice programs and then the festival and uh you know coming coming out of our long history of producing festivals and about about nine years when we did a digital media festival called Pixilorations, which uh, was again this blend of local and and international. Tons of people who've made Providence their home who work in in digital media and in electronic media and music, and uh, that's really exciting to yeah. tap into. Um, last question: What's your message to? Someone out there, I met a kid yesterday, super excited about, you could just tell she was going to, like a lifelong artist, or at least going to be on this side of the coin, and she was talking about, I'm going to go to, uh, I didn't matter if she was an intern at a news organization that I freelance at, but anyway, we had this conversation, and all that she thought of as far as going to school and everything was external, you know, whether it's go to the news school in New York, or uh, go to school in Boston, whatever it was, and I think that's great. You know, if you're if you're looking to pursue art or music or journalism, whatever it is, it's great to get out. But how do what's your message kind of one sentence to that person to give Rhode Island a chance after they graduate to come back here and plant their creative seeds here right out of the gate? Because that's who we need right now. That girl. Yeah. Yeah. So I I I think something that I come back to is remember why you wanted to do this in the first place. And then you're challenging me to be place specific. I think you need to think and and what is a fertile ground to let you make that happen? Mm-hmm. So for me, who I've lived around the world and New York and most recently Minneapolis, people um, people covet what we have here. <clears throat> the ability to collaborate, the 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 scale that the city's on and and is, and um, also the the possibility to really dream big and and then kind of share that dream to have things happen. The first time we had the dancers dancing off the side of the building came after five years of climbing around rooftops with you know, business people and arts people and saying, how can we make this happen? You know, and, and joining forces really with our partners at art, culture and tourism and and the city and, and uh, business partners is how that happened. You know, being somewhere where things are possible, being in a city that defines itself as the creative capital already is like an embrace as a, as a creative um, and it, the more that we are growing here into design and music and performance and digital coming together, um, 
you know, the, the, the crossover just is like that rising tide. Ah, yes, that rising tide. That's what we're searching for here a lot on this podcast, and we're getting there. That's all the time we have for today, though. I'll be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode. Watch me tonight on television on Lively at 7 on Rhode Island PBS. Until next time, I'm Bill Bartholomew. We'll talk soon.